clearly above the minimum height requirement and shall now ride your roller coaster. I told you they had a giant working here. <laughs> Welcome to the Tall of Fame podcast, brought to you by Tall Slim Teams. Welcome to another episode of the Tall of Fame. I'm just Danny, and we've got a great guest lined up here. Uh, today, I'll let him introduce himself here in just a sec. Just a reminder that uh, we are brought to you by Tall Slim Tees, providing shirts for the slim and tall of the world. And uh, we've got one such slim and tall uh, man here for us to, uh, to talk to today. So we'd like to welcome Kevin Barnett to the program. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks. It's good to, good to have you on. And um, yeah, we just want to jump right into it as we have with, with our other guests Let's uh, hear a little bit about um, who you are, where you're from, and, and uh, what, what you're up to. Do I need to check in like the Dan Patrick show, uh, 66210, and then ring a bell or something? What's that? <laughs> in terms of being tall and slim, I mean 66210. Oh, there so, you go. Tall and slim. <laughs> that uh, counts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm originally from Illinois, played volleyball for a living for about 10 years. I played in a couple of Olympic games in 2000, 2004, and I have since become a sports commentator, uh, originally with volleyball, and that's carried me to the last three Olympic games in the analyst role, but I've also expanded out. I'm now a play-by-play and professional broadcaster rather than just an ex-volleyball player doing broadcasting, and I do a variety of stuff from basketball to supercross racing, terracross racing, anything anyone will pay me to talk about, basically. You've definitely got the voice for it. You, you, I can tell you've, you've done this. Uh, you've, you've had a microphone in your face for, for several times. It sounds like, you know what you're saying? <laughs> Once or twice a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got a pretty popular uh, podcast for volleyball. Yeah. So we started podcasting in 2009, January of 2009. So I guess we were a little early is what people tell me in terms of being on the podcast parade. For sure. And myself and Reed Pretty, another uh, Olympic volleyball player and gold medalist in 08, we wanted to give more exposure to the sport. I also wanted to practice more to move over to the hosting side of things versus staying on the analyst side of things. And so it became both a vehicle for myself as well as the sport to gain more exposure. And we started a program called The Net Live. Our original tagline was from SoCal to Siberia because Reed was playing in Siberia at the time. Oh, man. And he would host the show from there along with me here. Uh, Now it's become entirely my show in the last probably seven years because Reed has continued to play and is playing now as a part of the beach side of things after finishing his indoor career in 16. So he kind of took a step away. And I have played the role of producer, director, and host and primary booker for the last seven or eight years. And I imagine 2009 was probably uh, a lot different time as far as technology goes, as equipment and uh, how to upload the, upload the podcast. And I, I'm betting a lot, quite a bit has changed now that podcasting has sort of taken off in uh, popularity. No doubt. No doubt. You were talking earlier when we were starting to get ready for the show about technical problems. There isn't a technical problem we have not experienced. <laughs> At one point, we had somebody say boom really loud. Actually, it was uh, Casey Patterson. He said boom, and that was the end of the show. And I'm not sure what happened, but I know that for the rest of our allotted time on our broadcast service, they played Vivaldi Four Seasons. <laughs> and we couldn't call back in. We couldn't change it. We couldn't do anything about it. That's just what it was. 
That sounds that sounds like Casey though. That seems like right uh-huh. down his alley. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Doing something wild. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that occurred, but that did blow up our show. We've been through uh, unending echoes and noises and sounds. And fortunately, the technology, as you said, just continues to get easier, more accessible for folks to have their own podcast. Uh, also better. Our service has gotten better and better. It's still not... I guess, great, but it's gotten certainly better. With a very limited amount of equipment, you can practice to be a broadcast professional. Well, I can tell you, as far as tall problems go for, for the podcasting world, I'm only on episode five here with the Tall of Fame, and which is good. You know, We're getting a good start, but I've got two, two uh, microphones here that I got at Best Buy, and both mm-hmm. of them came with those little uh, tripod stands, the teeny ones. Yep. And let's just say that's not nearly enough. I've got little a little stand that i've that i had to get that's normally for computer monitors just to set that up so that it was at the level remotely close to my mouth (laughs) or raise my desk or i don't know what else to do (laughs) (laughs) i don't have the headset mic uh type thing i imagine you guys have the headset with the mic uh mic there on the headset so it's always always uh in front of your mouth and easy to use yeah we spent a few years with the the stands and the separate headsets and that was it was hard to set up. It was hard to keep functioning properly because halfway through a broadcast, one of the parts would give out and it would just disappear. And (laughs) the whole arm would fall down. So getting to the actual headsets was a huge, huge thing. And I, it's funny you mentioned that I'd forgotten what a pain that was. Yep. Yep. There's uh, all the, all the growing problems that come with uh, doing that pun intended. Um, So uh, moving to volleyball though, I mean, in volleyball, you probably at six five, to the to the regular population six five, you'd say, "Whoa, that guy's tall." But I imagine in volleyball, you were sort of just like middle of the pack. Yeah, you're shrinking me. Don't take an extra inch away from me. Uh, six <laughs> oh, foot six. 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 Yeah. Did you say six six? Sorry, I thought you yeah. said six five. <laughs> that is what I tell people. I tell them I'm just a little guy in my world, uh, which is true. I'm I'm medium sized. I'm certainly not tall, and they would often try and line up someone who was six nine or something to do my job. And that was their hope that they could always get somebody a little bit bigger who could do the same thing. <laughs> but an outside hitter for the international game, basically everyone fits in the mold of about 6'5 to 6'7. There are the outliers who are 6'4, 6'3, or 6'8 or 6'10. But there are not many, as many of those as there are of the people right in that meet that three inches of 6'5 to 6'8, even 6'7. Just a, a couple of inches. I'm betting, though, those guys that are 6'8", six, 6'10", six, they're generally the middle blockers, not, not so often the outside hitters. Well, yeah, and middle blockers are, believe me, those guys who are 6'8", who are trying to be middle blockers, are always worried about some guy who's 6'10", trying to take their job. <laughs> There's always somebody a little bit bigger out there. There usually is. Uh, who's the tallest you've ever played with? Played with? Uh, or against, on the same court, same time. Yeah, against would be 7'4". And that would be Kazakov from Russia. And I remember playing against Russia in 2004. We were playing against them right before we were going to name our Olympic team. We were down in Austin, Texas for a tournament. Russia was in town. and We were having our scouting report. And our scouting report was going on and on. And we referred to the little middle. That was number 18. Yeah, the the small middle, the smaller guy. (laughs) And no kidding, right after that, walking to lunch, I happened to walk right past him. And that guy was about 6'10", 6'11". 
Like that's the little middle. He's the little blocker. Seven four. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the time when they had three seven footers on their roster, and they could play them all at one time. Oh my goodness. Yeah, really extraordinarily tall team. That is insane. I played in a tournament here in the fall with David uh, Foster. He's seven three, and at six six seven Ooh. three, we were a combined thirteen nine in the two 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 versus two, which is the world record for tallest volleyball team or duo tallest volleyball duo to ever play nice uh, at least that i can find no one has challenged us on it yet so right right <laughs> until someone comes up with a, a record that can be verified the tallest i'd found before that was ryan uh at 7-1 ryan doherty at 7-1 and um hayden at 6-5 i think they they were a they were a partnership for a while there and uh i think they might have had it but but we did casey we patterson them. casey patterson i think he goes 6-6 six, six maybe and he partnered with doherty at some point so Oh, that's true. Yeah, so they, I think they were close to the same size. I, I just knew that David at seven three. There was there was no way I could not get it. I have a seven three guy in my back pocket. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's a big pocket. Yeah, so, yeah. And strangely, you know, there's not many seven footers in the world, but two of them live in my small southern Utah city here in St. George. David is seven three, and you might remember Sean Bradley. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The uh, classic tall man of the '90s, tall skinny guy. He's seven six. He also lives. Uh, right down here as well so imagine if I put those two on the same team that that would probably be an untouchable record that would be amazing so is Sean Bradley like a double XL in Tulsa MTs you know I've been trying forever to get him to come in here and he's just been busy and hasn't been able to make it in and I even said hey you know you might even be there there might even be someone out there too tall for tall slim (laughs) tees which might be him but he's got he's got kids his daughter I think is six three and she just went off to college. I think she's playing volleyball or basketball for BYU, where he went to college. Okay. And then he's got two boys that are teenagers that I think are already in the six foot, and they're they're eleven and thirteen or something like that. Right. So I thought, hey, these right. guys, these guys could use it. But I'll I'll keep working on. Them. I'll I'll get them. I'll get them in here someday. I like it. Um, so what's coming up in the, uh, announcing, announcing and podcasting world, I guess you're going to be involved in volleyball with the beach season starting. There's probably going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of that for you. Yeah. Summertime is generally very busy. We have the world league and grand prix for the indoor side, which now has been merged into one thing called volleyball nations league. So that's starting up in about a month's time. The AVP is getting underway in just a couple of weeks. Actually, they have a combined FIVB AVP event happening in Huntington Beach in the first week of May. I have the Collegiate National Championship that weekend happening at Pauley Pavilion here in Los Angeles. Happens to be here this year. That's on the indoor side. And the Women's National Championship on the beach is happening. There's a lot of volleyball that gets going here in the spring and then on into the summer. Uh, and then, of course, you get into the fall and it's women's collegiate. So you can, you can almost make a full calendar of volleyball these days. It pretty much is that way, it seems. I remember hearing about this new indoor league that um, they had a tournament in, uh, where was it, Las Vegas? Right. In, um, I want to say it was December or, or January, something like that. Yeah, sadly, they're already gone. They're all, that's what I was just about to ask. I said, why is it that no indoor, uh, they replaced the premier, what was it called, the indoor premier league or something? Yeah, the like PBL. That? was replaced by the NVA, and now neither exists. Why, why is it that we can't ever seem to get a high-level professional volleyball league in this country? That is a very complicated and in-depth question that uh, we, have, we have 
talked to nearly everyone involved at one point or another on our show in different ways. And if you could put more butts in the seats and have them pay for tickets and then have them also pay for refreshments and whatever else, it becomes more possible. Uh, you get closer to making it a reality. Oh, okay. Partly the structure of volleyball is a problem too, because you could even run a fly by night basketball operation with what, seven athletes. You could probably get by with seven if you were just a startup kind of thing. If you were running like an ABA from way back in the day. Yeah. But with volleyball, you're going to need a minimum of 10. If you have a couple of assistant coaches that can play, uh, if you have no assistant coaches, you're going to have to run at least 12, probably 14 because you're going to have injuries and you have yeah. to play seven to start with. You're going to play seven. They need to play nine. So your player costs are pretty high. And no one has figured out how to monetize the sport in a large enough fashion. We don't, we don't have a culture that pays for a lot of stuff. So you think with so many, there's so many volleyball players and I know on the, it seems to me growing up, there wasn't a boys team in my high school till I was a senior. Right. And, but there was always a women's team. There was always girls volleyball. And it seems to me women's volleyball is very popular at the college level, uh, in the high school level. There's, there's so many athletes that would seem between men's or women's, you know, maybe that's what they need. Maybe we need a professional co-ed volleyball league. <laughs> yeah, you can look back to the old Team Cup days. If you look up Team Cup volleyball, it used to be played here in the forum, and they would do that. It was You could block with four in the front row. You had co-ed action happening. It was a very interesting take on it, and at the time, a successful take on, on volleyball. The problem with it being a majority female population, which it is, it's tremendously popular for juniors as well as collegiately, and it has a ton of TV time. If you ask the college coaches, and I've asked many a college coach this question, and certainly the club coaches, it's even more true. How much do your players consume the sport of volleyball outside of practice? The answer generally is zero. Wow. Zero. They don't watch. They don't seek it out on the internet. They play, and that's what they do with volleyball. And external to that, they have other interests. And, of course, there are some athletes out there who are not fitting in that mold, but the vast majority of answers from coaches will tell you that their players are not consuming volleyball. They're playing volleyball, but not a spectator of it. Mm, see, because when I grew up, I was, I was basketball and hockey were my – were my two sports in but I loved watching I grew up in the Bay Area so I loved watching yep. Sharks games Warriors game I, I consumed the sports that I was you know I was in depth in them there was there's sort of a culture I guess that came with those sports and volleyball I guess maybe I mean it's not for lack of height there's plenty of there's plenty of good athletes tall tall athletes people who can play a lot of a lot of talent but it's just the uh, the culture and the interest doesn't seem to to quite be there yet I guess it hasn't translated yet now that said it's getting better it's certainly been improving its ratings. The national championship for women is a big deal in terms of spectators as well as television audience. And the AVP got a new contract, right? Don't they have the, the beach uh, series here is going to be on, is it NBC? I saw that they're going to be televised all the games. The finals will be on NBC. The three days prior or not, well, two days plus the first half of Sunday's play before you get to the NBC show will all be on Amazon. So oh. there's tremendous coverage happening in the world of beach volleyball. So would you say beach is getting is more or less popular than the indoor indoor game? 
Oh, that's a that you just uh, you just know, jumped I, into like the Hatfields and the McCoys. There, I man. had a culture war here, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just you just touched on something that we could have a, a real fight about. <laughs> the the answer is they're both very popular in the Olympic Games. Oh yeah, in that's between true. they continue to search for their audience on a on a year to year basis on a three and a half year cycle that isn't related to the actual Olympic Games. Now, now internationally, are there volleyball leagues that are pretty that thrive in Europe or Asia or Central South America? I know Brazil's a pretty pretty hotbed for beach. What about uh, internationally? Are there are there uh, leagues, professional leagues, where these uh, other players can play? Absolutely, everywhere they don't speak English as their primary language, and that's pretty much it's, uh, kind of like soccer. It's, it's never really took off here, but everywhere else it seems to be pretty darn popular. <laughs> it's not popular in Britain. It's not popular in Australia. It's not popular in the United States nor Canada, but it's popular in all of Asia. It's popular throughout Eastern and Western Europe, as well as the Middle East. Uh, it's a incredibly popular sport, even in Africa. There's a lot of volleyball played in Africa. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of volleyball spectated uh, across, especially places like Italy, Russia. Uh, to give you some example of the graft of volleyball, Vladimir Putin attended the All-Star Game a few years ago wow. for the Volleyball League in Russia, where they pit the, all the world All-Stars that are playing in the league that year versus an All-Star Russian team. And then when the Russians won the 2012 Olympic Games, part of their prize Part of their bonus was getting an Audi A8. Each one of them received an Audi A8. And they had the keys handed to them by Vladimir Putin in person. Wow, that's they're basically rock stars there. Absolutely. And here Absolutely. we're launching more football. Isn't There's going to be two more football leagues coming, and we can't, still can't seem to get the momentum to get, some, get something going for volleyball, huh? Nope, we can't. But I'm a big football fan, so more football is too good. <laughs> That's not a bad thing either. I'm on board. <laughs> so internationally, do you see, is it the same trend here where, uh, I mean, volleyball is, is basically just a tall person sport? I mean, besides the Libros, they're, you're talking usually very tall people. Internationally, is it the same way? Is it just a tall person's game everywhere? Or do you find uh, they take a different, there's a different take on it across the world anywhere? Well, the national teams in particular, you're stuck with what you have. So if you're a country like Korea, you don't have a whole bunch of athletes that are 6'10", 6'8", 6'7", 6'6". That's true. They just don't exist in your population. And if you're a place like China, they do. <laughs> so you, you have a little bit taller. people, and they're better. <laughs> correct, correct. It is surely a numbers game. A team like Japan, Japan might have one guy who's 6'8". They might have two guys who are around that 6'5", 6'6", mark, and then everybody else is smaller. So you'll see a whole host of six foot three outside hitters, six foot two outside hitters that play for Japan and are, are good. And, and you're forced to adapt your style to deal with that. Thailand is a really short team, but they fly around. They do some crazy stuff because you just have to maximize what your capability is. So what was your, what would your strategy be? I mean, if you're, if you're uh, adjusting, you've either got a super tall team or a, a not very tall team. What's, what's sort of the strategy that comes with, saying, hey, our hitters are 6'2 and 6'3, but we're, gonna, we're still going to compete with the best of them. They're going to set the ball super fast everywhere. They're going to run combinations. They're going to serve as tough as they can so they can keep your hitters off the net because their block is not that big. And they're going to play outstanding defense. That mm -hmm. is the prescription for winning with an undersized team. Now, the problem for that is that over the last, especially 10 years, but probably the last 20, 
uh, but it's accelerated in the last 10. The game has gotten faster and faster with bigger and bigger players. So that style and that speed that used to be a huge advantage for the Japans, the Thailands, the Koreas, now is absolutely a part of the identity of Russia, the United States, That's everyone, <laughs> Italy, anyone with those, those same athletes now at six foot seven are playing in a manner akin to those six foot two guys. So that's become a real problem for some of the, the smaller populations in the world. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that with the, the game just speeding up in general. Well, that just seems to be ath athletics sort of generally uh, across the board. All the athletes are getting bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> it's True. Just, uh, it's just, just the name of the game, I guess. It's progression, and that's, that's the way it will keep going. And I, they, like I said, they keep trying to force six, ten guys into my role at outside hitter. That hasn't so far worked on very many occasions. There have been examples. The best player in the United States right now, Matt Anderson, six foot ten, plays outside hitter, plays opposite. But he's an anomaly, and that's why he gets paid like an anomaly. <laughs> that's how it works out. My buddy uh, growing up in San Jose, uh, Jake Langlois, he, yep. uh, he, played, he was an All-American at BYU, and then he's gone summers with the national team. I think he's in Italy right now. Correct. Um, and I think he, he's 6'10". Six, yeah, right. but I think he was outside hitter there. But especially the college game, when you're six ten, you can sort of just do whatever you want. <laughs> well, it takes an interesting story too, because he did not play a ton of volleyball growing up, at least organized volleyball. Oh no, he was he was soccer, golf. Uh, yeah. yeah, we interviewed him once um, on a, is in a video. I've, I was out there in California, and he said, "Yeah, I wasn't even really tall growing up. He just sort of picked up ten inches in high school, and suddenly his back hurt, his knees hurt. He's like, "What can I do now?" And just walked on at BYU to the volleyball team because figured, why not? <laughs> that worked out for BYU. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say they came out uh, on top of that. But it's kind of funny as he just said, "Well, I'm six ten, so I'm either going to play basketball or volleyball." And I thought, "Yeah, that's pretty much how it is." I mean, when uh, when you're in our size range, that's everyone sees you. They ask, "Oh, you, do you play basketball?" No one ever right. asks if you play volleyball, though. Why is that? I mean, volleyball players are tall too. It's not popular enough. <laughs> That's it. Out here in California, you might get asked that. Uh, but it's got to be in little pockets. Well, literally, we would travel with a national team, and you'd have on the logo, the USA Volleyball logo. It says USA Volleyball on it. And people would look, look at my shirt and then go, you guys a basketball team? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my eventual response became, no, chefs, man. Yeah, <laughs> you got a big volleyball on your shirt, and they're still they're still Correct. asking if you play basketball. I guess there's just there's no getting around that. I even asked Chris last week. He's in the UK. I said, you know, you know, basketball is not so popular in the UK compared to the US. Is that still the the default question? He said, Yep. They they hear my accent. They know I'm American, so they go, Well, you must play basketball. Of <laughs> course, where you're from. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I guess it's some some uh, some things will never die, but uh, you know what? Maybe maybe volleyball uh, one day will get the popularity where we have a, a sustainable, uh, a stable professional league, men's and women's, and um, maybe maybe one day you'll we'll know volleyball's made it when we're walking around and someone says, "Whoa, you're six six. Do you play volleyball?" Exactly, but it has to happen where you are, not where I am, because where I am, it's a reasonable guess. That's out in St. George, if we've penetrated St. George to the point where they're thinking volleyball first, there's really something happening. <laughs> I still don't think there are boys volleyball teams here in the high school, so we've, we've got our work cut out for us. They've got lacrosse and rugby. 
those those ones are here but uh yeah boys volleyball i think we're ways off still the girls now that's that's doing well girls volleyball here that that does well absolutely absolutely it's a sport i think that women play play quite well I think it's it's actually overtaking a lot of the space that basketball has previously occupied. Yeah, I know a lot of parents uh, that I've talked to anyways, they're, they're just happy that volleyball, is, it's less of a contact impact sport, so less, less prone for injury compared to basketball. Basketball has gotten more and more physical. Yes. Especially in the post, but just overall more and more physical. And they're, they're having a problem. There's a lot of talk about the athletes that are choosing volleyball over basketball because it's the same basic frame in terms of the athlete themselves. Yeah. And then volleyball, I know a lot of uh, parents like the teamwork aspect of volleyball, where basketball, it seems to be more of a hero ball, they call it. It's just one person, one athlete just takes over and scores all the points. And you really can't do that in volleyball. It's, it's, a, it's a team effort. There's literally no way a single player can sort of take over a volleyball match. It's just not possible. <laughs> That's true. There's only one closed chain skill in the whole game. And a closed chain skill would be something you initiate and something you complete. Yeah. And that's serving. Other than that, you are dependent upon someone else to make a play so that you can then follow that play. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, I know one of the teams here, our local high school, the one by me, they just went and saw the, uh, the I think it's called uh, Season of Miracles or something like that. Or no, the, the Miracle Season. The Miracle Season, yes. The, yeah, Pretty the volleyball. Story out of Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a really inspiring story. So I'm going to probably try to. Check that out. Big plug for any listeners, uh, volleyball fans. Go check out the movie. Uh, There's an outstanding real sports with Brian Gumbel on that as well. And you can, you can search it and find it. Just search Miracle Season uh, Iowa or something, and you'll find it on real sports. They, they interview the actual parent, oh, father. and the it's documentary a, type thing? Yeah, it's a tragic, tragic situation with a, with a great ending, but really just so rough yeah. in terms of what happened. So uh, let's wrap it up. Reminder for everyone, how can they find your, your podcast, The Net? How could, they, how could they go download and listen if they wanted to find you there? Yeah, The Net Live, if you want to hear us talk about not volleyball for a half an hour and then discuss a little bit of volleyball afterwards and hear some <laughs> great interviews. We try and keep it light and fun. We've got a regular cast of characters that are kind of in and out. If you go to iTunes and you check out The Net Live, uh, we're also on Facebook. We do Facebook Live with our show every week, so we'll run a video. Uh, feed of our program so facebook.com slash the net live uh, we have an instagram feed as well we put up articles and, and interesting tidbits throughout throughout the week uh, related to the sports world not just volleyball so you might enjoy it even if you're not strictly a volleyball person okay and then so if, if they uh if someone wanted to see or watch you on tv or see you at an event where's where are you uh, going to be where could you be found here the coming I know you said there's a busy season coming up, but where, what are your next few stops where you'll be? Yeah, um, I will be not this week, but next week on Thursday, Friday, I will be up on the Pac-12 network in the Sanford area. We have the Women's Collegiate Pac-12 Beach Volleyball Championships. So somebody will get an automatic bid and automatic qualifying position into the national title. So we'll be doing that and have three days of coverage on the Pac-12 network, top teams and Really, top teams in the nation. Number one team in the nation is UCLA, and they will be there in that Pac-12 tournament. And then the following week, I will be on ESPN with the Men's Indoor Championship, somewhere where Jake Langlois was the last two years. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, finishing runner-up if you're yep. Jake Langlois. Didn't win either one. <laughs> yeah, to Ohio State. Both times to Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, in very similar fashion, unfortunately, for Jake and his team. Yeah. Uh, but we will we'll be on ESPN for that coming up, I think it's May 
5th is that Saturday. Let me uh, take a quick look here. Yeah, looks like on May 5th. So we'll have that from Pauley Pavilion. And I'm not sure who will be there. Possible that UCLA could be there. Long Beach State is the number one team in the nation. Ohio State could be back. All of that is kind of to be determined here this week and next. Well, good. Exciting things happening. And if anyone wants to catch you uh, around around the internet there or on TV, and um, it looks like they've got plenty of opportunities. Uh, lots lots of stuff coming up. I'm out there. I'm out there. Anyone has any you know paying jobs for anyone who could just talk? That's where I am. <laughs> there you go. That's a nice a nice career to have. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Just be able to talk. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate having you on and uh, sharing a little insight of uh, who you are, what you do, how you do. And uh, that was fun. Yeah, great stuff. And Dan, keep doing what you're doing. I actually have a t-shirt that fits me for the first time in forever. So that's, that's uh, our mission time. is to make sure that you and well, you know, in the volleyball world, that's a, <laughs> there's a lot more people like you and me. We're both the same size, six, six, about 200. And uh, it's nice, nice to have shirts that fit, isn't it? Yeah, especially the long sleeve. Like you can find the occasional short sleeve that you're like, ah, oh, yeah, this fits pretty good. This is okay. The long sleeve that when I reach out, I don't look like I'm wearing a three quarters. That's mm -hmm. outstanding. Yeah, that, so, that, that's a rarity. And the hoodie, people are always so shocked when they put that one on. <laughs> they go, oh. Raise their arms up. Whoa, I have a sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, catch us next week for another great interview.